Refined podcast features conversations around art and faith and the refining experience of engaging with God, our art, and each other for the sake of holiness and wholeness. I'm Chris. Welcome to the conversation. morning or I guess whenever anybody's listening to this it may not be the morning for them but it's morning for me and you Christy Purifoy who I'm here with this morning that's hey. right good morning Chris it's great to see your face and share this conversation I'm really looking forward to it thank you I'm excited too we have well, last time you and I saw each other was at Hutchmoot in October mm-hmm. I was thinking about that like when did I see her last because we went for a good a good span of not seeing each other right, with the pandemic right. and all of that and so that was really fun. And I was thinking about that conversation. But um, before we get started, why don't you share just a little bit about yourself for people who haven't met you yet? I feel like everyone knows you, but I'm sure that's not true. So <laughs> That is definitely not true. And I love meeting new people. So yes, let me introduce myself. Um, Christy Purifoy is my name, and I live in southeastern Pennsylvania. Wow, I want to say, Chris, how did we meet? And I, oh, we, we started- Shelly Miller. Yes, Shelly Miller connected us, um, a blog she was managing, invited us both to write. Wow, that was years ago. So that was right at a time I was making the transition from pursuing an academic career. I had been studying literature. I wanted to be a professor. um, And I was just sort of letting go of that dream and shifting into something new and discovering that I really love to write and to create. And I had never seen myself as a writer or creator. Um, I just thought, well, I love to read and I'm a teacher. I didn't really think I was a writer. Um, I, the academic writing I was doing always felt like pretty hard work. So I was just making that shift when we met. And so now for goodness, a good decade, I have been writing. Um, I write memoir, personal essays. And then in the past few years, I have shifted to writing a lot more about gardening. I'm really inspired by my garden here at this old farmhouse where I live in Pennsylvania. It's an old farmhouse called Maplehurst. And so recently I've been working on these books that include not only writing, but photography, my photography from the garden, which has been a whole new um, creative endeavor that I was that I would have never taken up on my own. I was terrified. <laughs> Although now I'm, it's wow, first full circle, Chris, because I'm remembering that it was Shelly Miller who years ago I saw her at a conference and she told me, you remember how Shelly could do this, just like look at you and just speak truth. She said, Christy, because at that time I was not taking photos. And on my blog, I was using photos taken by my sister who. Mm-hmm. She said, Chrissy, you need to start taking photos. You need to get a camera and learn how to use it and start taking photos. And I I remember when she said that, feeling the truth of it and also not wanting to do yeah. it. I'm being so <laughs> intimidated. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So well, I'm so glad you did listen to her because your mm-hmm. photography is beautiful. And I love photography anyway. And I'm sure I feel like I can say, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like we probably feel similarly in that it's, there's something really unique and special about seeing how someone else sees. And when you see someone else's photography, you get a glimpse of how they see the world or this vignette or this moment. And there's something really beautiful. And there's an intimacy to that too. I think not in the, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of creepy voyeur kind of way, but just like, this is how they see this this moment and even, you know, the angle that somebody chooses to shoot from and the light they choose to capture is just really, um, 
it just gives you a glimpse at that person. And I feel like that when I look at your photography, I, and I know you, so I feel like I have a little bit of a different understanding or, you know, interpretation of it, but I see the way you are seeing something and particularly the way you capture the little pockets of your home and your garden. Um, there's just something really beautiful and unique and it's your signature, you know, nobody else Mm -hmm. has that. Mm -hmm. And I am beyond thrilled that you are bringing that into your books now because it's Shelly knew it years ago and it has always been there. You know, I think it was like the missing, um, piece that needed to be brought into your art. And so I love that you do it. And, um, at the end, we'll remind people where they can see your photography Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. Instagram and whatnot, because I know you have two accounts at least with Uh Mabel Mm -hmm. Hurst. So, um, we'll share that at the end, but, um, my goodness, I love that you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that, what you've described there is, is exactly what, I realized and why I knew I, I had to do it, even though I was, I was afraid, I think as I, I was afraid to, to, you know, to not do it well or to the learning curve, you know, it just all see mm-hmm. something new or, you know, just all the excuses we make, but I knew this is my garden. I'm, I'm the observer. I'm the witness. I can, I write about it. That's why I write about it to help people see what I see. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized I cannot just keep bringing in other photographers if the, if the point of my work is to share what I see. I, I just knew I have to be the one every day here in the garden, kind of being that daily witness and not just coming in, you know, a couple times a year, having a photographer come in, which, you know, it's not a bad thing to do, but I just knew, no, nope, it has to be me. I'm, I'm, I'm the perspective here. And, um, because each of us have that perspective that is totally unique. And so that's, I think the great gift of creative work is then we have this, you know, this way to share that perspective with others. And uh, so I just feel really, I just feel really lucky, really privileged, like how, I don't know, as scary as the opportunity was when it came, I just now, as I think about it, I just always just say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, I love that. But I think that, you know, it is it is important. You're right. And I'm wondering, even as you're saying this, and this, this can just sort of probably lead us into, you know, kind of the concept of what we always want to talk about here, which is this bigger conversation about what it looks like for us to experience God's refining through our work, our vocation, whatever that looks like. Cause I think those stories are super inspiring. Um, and they help me stay on track when I start to feel like, Oh, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I hear those stories and I'm reminded like, no, it's okay. But as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about the, even just coming to a place where you could say without hesitation, I'm the observer. Like I, I feel like, and maybe this is just me, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like coming to a place where I can say with a sort of a confidence, like Mm -hmm. this is mine to do. I get to observe this and it doesn't feel like I'm being proud or like, you know what I'm saying? Did, was that easy to come yeah, to? No, that was a long process as well. It, it took time with the writing. Um, it, I had a few years of blogging before I ever attempted like a book proposal or anything. And it was in the, in the course of just a, a, that kind of weekly discipline of blogging where I was just observing what was happening in my place in my life and kind of making connections it took years of that before I realized 
I'm, I'm offering something. I'm, I am a person in a place who's seeing certain things and making certain connections and it is my job and it is a privilege to then share that. So, you know, it took people responding saying, thank you for putting that into words. I have felt that too, but I didn't have the words. And, you know, so it was, it started with the writing with people, you know, acknowledging that I was able at times to give them words they needed. And so I kind of realized that, you know, if you're, if I am faithful to my place and my reflections and I, and I shape it in a way so that people are able to receive it, um, which is the art part. Like, it's not just blah. It's not just, you know, stuff in my head pouring out. It's not, it's shaped, it's, it's crafted, you know, there's time taken. If I'm willing to do that, it can really be a gift to other people. So it took years for me to realize, oh, I have something to offer in words, the things that I'm noticing and then the thoughts that's leading me to, that is worth sharing. So I'd already kind of walked through that process with the writing of realizing, yeah, it's not a pride thing. It's not a, because I've never been a, like, a, I've never thought of myself as like a super ambitious person. So it wasn't even like an ambition or I always wanted to be a writer. I had not wanted to be a writer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'd gone through that process with writing. And so then it, it was a similar process with the photography, but I think it didn't take as long because I was already sort of formed in that, that way. Um, mm-hmm. but it took a whole time. So yeah, you're, you're exactly right to, to, to own it in a way that I think is, I think maybe this leads us into the question about refining because ultimately it, it's a becoming, it's a realizing who I am, who I was made to be and, and gifts I was particularly given and how to use them. That's a becoming that is precious, that is what God wants for us, not a striving, not a reaching for things outside of myself, but it, it it's, it's a much more of a, of a, yeah, I just picture like, like almost like a sculpture, chunks of me falling off so that the real me is now revealed and the real oh, me. Oh, I love that. Right. And notices beauty and pays attention to the light and things like yeah. that. So yeah, so it, it, it's, it, I think, absolutely connects with this larger question of how our, our vocation, our creative work refines. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that image. Well, I love refining as a becoming, because I think that refining, when you think about that word, it can seem harsh and yeah. it is, it is a process and it is yeah. not always an easy or fun process, but I right. love the idea of thinking at it in terms of a becoming, because I feel yeah. like that is Um, maybe it sounds, I use this word all the time. People are probably so sick of it, but I always say invitation. That to me is the invitation of the refining experience is this idea that it, yes, things are being, you know, taken away, potentially stripped away. But like you said, I love the image of a sculpt, a sculpture being sculpted Mm -hmm. is like, Mm -hmm. yeah, because something, something else is being brought forward and there's no way to do that without, uh, you know, taking some things that maybe are no longer necessary. Maybe they were at one point, but mm-hmm. they're not now and they need to go. And creatively, I think that that process um, can be both exhilarating and terrifying. Yes, <laughs> both. <laughs> it's like you're having all the feelings at once and it's like, oh my gosh, how do I keep making or stepping into my vocation or my creativity while I'm in such a process. Can you talk a little bit about what that has looked like for you? Right. Cause that is, that is so risky, right? Like I 
And I think probably many, many people and maybe many artists in particular, I don't know, we, or I'll, I'll say this. So I'm someone who loves beauty, right? I, you know, I love beauty. I'm nourished by beauty. Um, beauty is, is like a language of God and it's how God reveals himself to us. Beauty is so precious to me. So now if I'm going to create, I want to participate in the beauty. I want to create beauty. So that means I don't want to share things that are imperfect or flawed or fall short. Um, and so that has been a huge hurdle for me to, to recognize that I, I, that is not, that is pride. <laughs> That's my pride mm. saying, I will not share unless I know it's the best. It's the most beautiful. It is so perfect. Um, pride is saying, I won't do it unless I can do it that way. Humility. And this has been a huge refining for me through through um, not only writing and creating, but then sharing the work publicly, mm. um, which, you know, for me has been like publishing a book or, you know, but it can look like different things. Humility has been saying, I, I, I know that I might not do this well. I know that I'm not the best. I know there will always be someone who can craft a better sentence, take a better photograph. And when I put things out there, Sadly, we will hear from people <laughs> telling us you did yes. not do this well. I don't care for what you did. I dislike what you did, which actually can I, this is like my, um, my new uh, soapbox to stand oh, on. Yeah, get on it. Go ahead. I just, anytime I'm speaking, especially to an audience who might be believers and we're talking about creative stuff, I just want to say Christians don't, don't go on Amazon and leave poor reviews for for oh work that gosh. other Christians have put out there. Don't do it. Yes. You don't have to like everything, but don't go on there and leave your bad review. Don't do it. Don't give one-star reviews. Don't give negative reviews. Just don't. If yes. you have something great to say, go online and say it. Otherwise, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. I promise you that artist will forget the 10,000 great reviews and they will remember what you said. Even if they know maybe it was misplaced or they shouldn't, they will remember it. And you don't yeah. want to be that voice in their head that is making it harder for them to create next time or to go on. So don't do it. Yes. Um, and, and so, and then I have this caveat, unless, you know, a writer has been reckless or a book is so harmful or something, of course, you know, then you can, you know, you, there might be an appropriate way to do that. But for the most part, just don't do it. Don't do it. Anyway, yeah. I will step off my soapbox. No, now. I, I appreciate that because I think, and you know, this is a whole other tangent, but you know, culturally, yeah. I think we've just forgotten, which is amazing with social media and the advent of all of this connectivity Right. We've forgotten that there are literally other souls on the yeah. other side of these screens and yeah. people are so quick to say something because it's how they feel or right. whatever okay. in the moment mm -hmm. without pausing to think like there is a heart that is going to receive mm -hmm. this message. There is a real live human heart that is right. going to hear this <laughs> and is going to potentially be broken over it. Even if maybe that feels dramatic, you know, maybe that feels like, well, they should toughen up or whatever. Like they should, yeah. yeah. but like yeah. artists and creative people tend to be more sensitive, I yes. think in nature, yeah. just generally speaking. Exactly. And yeah. so knowing that about people who are creating and taking what is really a very brave step to put right. their work mm -hmm. into the world, knowing that there is you know, a, a horde of people ready to <laughs> sort of come at it with their pitchfork. Yep. You're like, this is crap. You know, and you're like, oh my yeah. gosh. So yeah, don't, don't do that. Like, 
Yeah, that I'm I'm so glad you spoke to that because there's just I feel like we just need to take a beat and like yeah, yeah, just think about it and think about how that will sound to the person who will receive that. Right. Just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but yeah. And, you know, knowing that there will be that and knowing the risk, um, it, yeah, it's been a real refining in terms of just humility to let go of that and to, you know, on the one hand, I always pray from the Psalms, like David's prayer, like, Lord, let me not be put to shame. Mm. <laughs> oh, yes. Lord, let me not be put to shame. You know, the public shaming is just such a fear. Um, but at the same time, doing it anyway and letting go. And um, yeah, my my first book especially was a real process of realizing I'm gonna I'm called to write this and I and I'm not called to write a perfect book. I'm not called to write the best book. I, I'm just called to do my best to write this story and to let that be enough. And that that sounds easy in theory, and it even sounds easier to me today, but eight years ago, or whenever I was first doing that, it was not, it was very difficult to acknowledge that I was going to do this work, and it was not going to be perfect, it just couldn't be, and it was not going to be the best, Um, but that I would, I could still do a good job, and that that would be enough, Um, and that that's all that God was asking me to do, and that, um, yeah, and and I think it has been, it it was pride that wouldn't let me do it, and it, it is humility to say, yeah, I I will do this. I'll be faithful knowing that, um, it does open. We we are then opened up to, to criticism or to, or even if not criticism, we're, we've, we know we've put something out there that isn't the very best, right. You know, and for Mm -hmm. some of us that can be hard to just say, I'm willing to share this because it's good, not because it's the best. Mm, I love that distinction. And I love what you said about, you know, not being called to write the best book, but being called to write your, your best, to do your best work. Because um, I know I have battled for years that, you know, kind of looking at other people's work, we all do, we look at other people's work and we go, oh my gosh, that is amazing. And then, you know, it can make us feel like I can't produce that. You know, that is the best in my mind in this moment, at this hour, that is the best. And there's no way I can produce that. And then to be reminded that God's not asking you to produce that. That was their work. Your work is to be your best work. And it will be imperfect because that is just a guarantee. It will be imperfect (laughs) and you will be okay. You can know that you've done what you were specifically tasked with doing. But um, you've had years now, you have a lot of years under your belt in the writing world and in the publishing world. And I just want to say for people who haven't read it, Roots and Sky, your first book was I mean, for your first book out in the world, you jumped out of the gate with a bang. It was, it's such a beautiful book. I return to it again and again. So I'm just going to plug it and just tell people like, if you haven't read it, if you haven't picked it up, go get it. Don't check it out from the library, buy a copy because it's one that you'll want to turn to again and again. So, um, you definitely did your best work and it was, it was so good. It is so good. Um, I'm thinking about how, like you've talked a lot about humility, which I love because I think that we all could always use more of that. That's one of those prayers. Like you don't really want to pray and ask for it. Like, don't, don't pray for God to humble you. <laughs> right. That's, that's not a, that's not a fun prayer and it's not a fun experience, but can you talk about, um, what you have 
I mean, you have already touched on it some, like, can you remember a specific time of sort of learning humility through your art or, um, if you don't want to answer that, if you're like, no, I don't want to share that, which is totally fine. Maybe also, um, or instead the idea of, um, how artists and creative people who are working in the creative arts can lean into that humility or that kind of humbling experience with like a kindness towards themselves yeah. and towards others. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. I think, um, Yes, because I, I think one point I want to make is that sometimes, and again, I'm someone who's kind of grown up, like my family were Christians, I've grown up in churches, and so the, the language is, that we're using is very familiar to me, but the downside of that is that it, it can accrue certain feelings, certain baggage with it that may not actually reflect reality, so for instance, mm. we're talking about refining, which always for me had that harsher, you know, like... Yeah pruning and you know always seem like again like the humility prayer something I know I need but I don't really want to ask for and so it had that negative same with humility it feels like you're saying Lord make me less than make me small make me insignificant and and let me realize my insignificance or whatever you know whatever and I think what I want to say is that my surprise in this journey has been that in being refined, the actual process, and in learning a humility and sharing art, it hasn't felt like a harsh thing or a, it hasn't felt like you might think discipline feels. It hasn't felt like a becoming smaller. It has felt almost the opposite. It, I, I have found myself again and again saying, thank you, Lord, for showing myself to myself. I didn't know myself. I didn't, I didn't know what was in me. I didn't know I was actually creative. I didn't know the gifts you'd placed in me. And again, when I say gifts, I don't mean, I didn't know I was the best at this. No, (laughs) that is not what I mean. (laughs) I just didn't know I was made to write or to notice or to garden or to take photos. I didn't know that you had made me in that way. So you've shown myself to myself and you've changed me and in, in, so that now seeing myself, I'm able to see more that that is good, that delights, right? Because so so rather than being this harsh process of refining, yes, it, it can feel harsh, but the result is that we become a person that we it's better to live with, it's better to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and we can see parts of ourselves that are now pleasing to see, and and that. I guess I wish I'd understood is so exciting and such a gift and makes me now more likely to want to like dive into to refinement because I realize yes, I want to again to go back to the beauty thing, you know, somebody loves beauty, who doesn't want to be more beautiful? Right. I want to be more beautiful and the irony is that as we age and now I'm in my mid 40s, like I can see all the ways that physically it's I'm not getting more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and, yet, <laughs> and yet I am right I am because that refining is is making us into um it, so that we shine like stars right who doesn't want to shine like a star like that's that is the end result of, of this and so I think the surprise has been that that refine refining we don't just have to tell ourselves it's a gift we can actually experience it as a gift and um, and the same with humility. Rather than 
this sort of depressing idea of becoming less and small and ordinary because who wants to be ordinary, right? Never, not <laughs> just like not a creator. You don't want to be ordinary. You want to be special. You know, you want to be <laughs> beautiful and unique. Um, but through humility to find like great, great joy. So, you know, in my pride, I was cut off from joyful activities like photography um, and, and maybe even gardening because, you know, you don't want to do things that maybe you can't do super well, or you don't want to enter into a learning process because now you're going to be an amateur and you're not going to know what you're doing and you're going to make mistakes. And that's so humbling. And so in pride, I'm cut off now from other people. I'm not willing to share as vulnerably. I'm cut off from the world. I'm cut off from opportunities for play and joy creatively. But when we're humble, which is the other metaphors, like when we're like kids, you know, we all, it, it's cliche to say like kids are always coloring and drawing and playing like they're, you know, they're able to do that. They have this freedom. And I think mm. if we grow in humility, then that's what we receive, like this freedom to play and enjoy and just be present, you know, and, and that is so great. So again, it's just been the surprise of realizing, oh my gosh, what, what God says in scripture is true. Like he, his plans for us are good and, and he has just like treasure for us. And yet sometimes in our religious language, we, we let it accrue a sense of like, Ooh, I don't want that. That doesn't sound fun. And and then to realize on the other side of it, yes, well, life is still you know full of sorrow and full of hard things. Absolutely. Um, God really is calling us deeper into things that do bring joy. And, and I have experienced that in this creative life. Um, it isn't the life I set out to lead, but, but man, every day I just say thank you for it, even though it comes with deadlines and, you know, hard work and, you know, again, right. not every aspect of it is going to feel so great, but over, but the, but the big picture is, is just a gift. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I hope that encourages somebody. Well, it encourages me. I love that because I'm thinking about, as you're saying that you, you put humility in the realm of, um, I think, I don't, this is how I'm hearing it, is this idea that humility becomes an invitation to take risks and to play yeah. and to be creative, yeah. whereas pride really cuts us off from the opportunities that are out there. I think they're always out there. The opportunities are there. But like mm-hmm. you said, if you're so concerned about um, you know, sort of this self-protecting mode that comes with pride, yeah. I think, is where, you know, we're more in a mode of protection. You can't let yourself play and you can't take the risks yeah. that are included in play. I mean, there's risk, right? When I think about like kids climbing trees, they're playing, but yeah. there's a risk. Like they could fall, <laughs> they could break a bone, yeah. you know, like yeah. it could, it could go sideways real quickly. But Absolutely. do you, do you not play because of the risks or do you, come to the place where you can say, I can take the risk. I can, I can embrace that because I know that the potential of what is involved in taking the risk or even on the other side of taking the risk is worth the humility to risk, um, falling in public. Like I, I think about like, you falling know, in public. falling in public, like literally one of my, um, 
deepest, like, it's just so, yeah. oh, my personal fears is like public humiliation, which I think is probably true for a good number of us. Like who wants to be publicly humiliated? You know, like that's, we're not signing up for that. Yeah. But if you are going to embrace the concept of humility and put yourself at risk of that kind of thing of like tripping, mm -hmm. getting on the stage or, you yeah. know, <laughs> slipping on the ice on the way into the grocery store and wiping out in front of the entire parking lot. <laughs> like, I'm okay. You know, it's so awkward and you feel so clumsy. But if you are living in that space that recognizes that the gift of that is that you took a risk, that you did something that you might not otherwise have done, which could open all kinds of doors Right? right. You've, you've seen your willingness yeah. to step into your creative gifts, open all kinds of doors for you that right. you might've otherwise missed. Yeah. Yeah. And how sad it just be so sad. And yeah, so I, I, I think that's exactly what I, I want to say is when we, we are willing to step out and to make ourselves vulnerable to public humiliation, <laughs> that, that what we can receive is, is just so good. And and worth it. And, um, and yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I just, I think I like sometimes using, and this is what we get to do as writers, you know, s shift the language a little bit just to remind people, this is what it, it actually means. This is what it actually feels like. You know, you've, you've, you've been afraid of this because you thought it would be so painful mm. um, when there's also this possibility that it might be the, the path to life and joy. And, and it's like, we can know that in our head, but it, it it's, until we experience it or hear about it from other people, it's just easy to forget. So mm -hmm. I just feel so grateful. Yeah, I, I love that. I think one of the things that's come up a couple times in other conversations we've had on the podcast so far are the is the idea of God's kindness in the yeah. midst of that. Is that yeah. like you were saying how you're reflected back to yourself and see things about yourself. But God, it's not like a funhouse mirror reflection. God is not cruel in that. I feel like there's a kindness there that is beyond description. Like it's really hard to put into words what that actually feels like when you're in that moment, because I think our expectation is that it would be harsh or that it would be brutal or, you know, that it would be like sort of a, a painful stripping and, it is, there's, there is sometimes pain because it's hard for us to let go of things that are, are scared, you know, that we're scared of letting go of or whatever. So I don't want to act like it doesn't ever hurt. It does sting sometimes, but at the same time, there's this gentleness that God has with us that is otherworldly. And yeah. I feel like in listening to you, I feel like you have definitely tasted that. Yes. I think before you said it, I, I wanted to say the, that word gentleness. So kindness, mm. gentleness, those are absolutely the words. And then I think what that does is it makes it easier over time. So the things that might be so hard in the beginning do become easier because there's this trust. Yes. So it is easier now for me to put myself out there, for me to get up on a stage or to share a new book. Um, not easy, maybe. And there are still moments I've even felt it recently, but you know, like where the thoughts attack you, but you can kind of recognize it like, oh, yep, that's that old narrative. I'm going to shut that down. That's a familiar old voice. <laughs> you know, that mm -hmm. needs to go away. And so it does become, even if those voices are always there, it, the familiar doubts, it does become easier because 
there's this history of stepping out and realizing that, that God didn't let you fall. God didn't let you fall flat on your face. And that even when there was some stumbling, he always caught you. Like I, 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 I yeah. And it just builds trust it, just mm-hmm. like it would with a, you know, person to person relationship. It builds trust, which makes it easier. And, um, you know, so I'm often finding myself, you know, the fears will come up and I'll say, but there's no guarantees, right? Like this time might be the real public humiliation. This time might be the real failure, but I just have to choose again and again to not listen to that and mm. just, and to instead just choose to fall back on how it has been and how it has been, has been gentleness, has been kindness, has been provision um, from God. And, uh, and it, but it is a choice. It's just a choice to believe what the, my experience has shown and to not moment by moment, listen again to, to the fears that will keep popping up. They will keep speaking to us. They still speak to me, but to, to just um, be a little, to make that choice and it gets easier each time to, to tune them out and to keep going. That's so good. That is so good. I appreciate that. And I, I, I definitely like here, here, I second all of it because <laughs> Um, that's been my experience too. And I think I always love, it took me a long time to come to appreciate the repetition of scripture of just feeling like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, again with this story or again with this, you know, like yeah. <laughs> that was the pride thing too. But then coming to the realization that that historical recounting of certain stories again and again, to me echoes what you're saying is this reminder of like, yeah. we remember what God has done when those voices get loud and when we feel like we can't do it again, or we're afraid, or, you know, it's not going to work this time, or God's not going to be faithful this time. Mm -hmm. When we remember those stories, you know, you see the fingerprints of God's faithfulness over and over again. And we need to do that for ourselves. We have to hold those stories, our own stories, you know, that where God has shown up and been faithful for us, and you're right. It does help you to step out and take that mm-hmm. chance mm-hmm. because you can look back at the sort of the catalog of yeah. life with God and go, okay, yeah, like every time, even if things haven't worked out perfectly, it doesn't right. matter. That's yeah. not the mm-hmm. that's not the measuring stick. It's just the God was God present with you mm-hmm. in that season. Mm-hmm. And what ways was God present with you? And I love that you said um, a few minutes ago about being grateful, just the gratitude mm-hmm. of remembering that and using that gratitude as sort of a, I don't know the word I want to use, but sort of like it carries you into the next thing to remember mm-hmm. to to greet all of those opportunities with a thankfulness, even if it might be a little hard or it might not work out exactly as you envisioned, but there's still so much to be thankful for in the midst of it. And even Mm -hmm. opening yourself to being grateful, I think inspires creativity too, because Mm -hmm. then you're like, you're just in a different posture, right? It's a heart posture. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't actually quite thought of that, but if you are grateful, I think that is a good precursor to being able to play freely and create freely. Um, Yeah that that it's really interesting that like a, a cultivating gratitude might actually be, you know, a really important part of our um, just being disciplined to create. I think that's true. I don't know how you could create freely out of a heart full mm-hmm. of ingratitude. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. Like I, yeah. I feel like 
yeah, how did this yeah. work? <laughs> I don't know if that yeah. works. <laughs> now, now that you just kind of put words to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it go, takes me back to, again, my early days of writing and different things will inspire us. And so I think sometimes maybe when we talk about our inspiration, maybe what we're actually saying is these are the things I'm just so grateful for. Mm. Um, and so for me, I think it's quite easy to pinpoint, I, you know, my early writing, I was just so grateful to be in this new home and this new place. And it was so beautiful and it was so different. And, um, you know, I was gardening now and growing beautiful things. And I just felt, even though there, there was so much that was hard, I was so grateful for certain things. And that was really the overflow of, of the writing. And it wasn't as if it wasn't then that the writing just took this form of, I love this. I'm grateful for that. It wasn't that, but because I was so grateful for these things, I just wanted to pay attention to them and I wanted to sit with them and I wanted to understand them. And then out of that came the writing. It's also true for the photography. Um, and so I'm realizing like, yeah, the, the word maybe I've used is I'm inspired by this place, but I think it might even be more accurate to say, I've been so grateful for certain things. And that then has led me to create <laughs> out of it so yeah that's really good to recognize and um and absolutely it's true of the photography I mean you know there are I, I always say like you know there's different ways to practice different creative things right so mm -hmm. there are, I I know that like I call them real photographers but I know that's not I shouldn't do that I, should, <laughs> I shouldn't lower myself in that way but in my head, the real photographers are the ones who can just show up with their camera and take great photos of anything. So like that's who you want to come to your wedding or your party or your senior portrait session, right? Because they will just, they know how to manipulate things and use their tools to just get a great photo out of whatever is happening. I, I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I'm not, you know, as technically skilled. So what, what I am doing is just hanging out in my life, in my garden, and then just waiting for beauty and waiting for the light. And then when I see it, oh my gosh, then I'm running for my camera. I'm so excited. Or there's a particular flower that just opened and the light is so gorgeous. And so then I'm just running, grab the camera and, and, and record this moment. Um, so I don't know if that's a less than kind of photography. I, again, I shouldn't put that language on it but that's just how I I experience it it's a total it's all about re receiving something beautiful and I'm so grateful and then out of that is the photograph um mm. and so that's quite a, a literal I think um living out of what we're talking about the that gratitude might be the thing that that really um yeah, inspires our creativity. It's a, I'm grateful to have realized that today. Thank you, Chris. Well, no, I I'm inspired by what you've what you shared that you know that was what prompted that thought because I think that I think that the act of photography or maybe I want to say specifically more the act of noticing beautiful things mm -hmm. is its own form of gratitude. I think mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's I mean at least for me that's why I want to take the picture. You know, like I see something and I'm like. Oh, it's so beautiful. And, you know, I want to capture it. And that moment is like, it's like, I'm saying, I'm grateful for this. I'm like, I see it. And I think that anytime we can acknowledge the beauty that is around us, it is a simple way of being grateful. Even if we're not saying like, I'm grateful for this morning light coming through the window that I'm taking a picture of. It's that we're noticing and acknowledging it. Yeah. Instead of just walking past it and not, mm -hmm. not even seeing it. Yeah. And I think all kinds of art forms, I mean, that has to be true. I mean, even if you're a fiction writer, I just think that's coming out of 
um, for many writers, I think, a gratitude for this world and the people who live in it and the stories they live and relationships and places. And, um, you know, it's still, uh, even if it's not memoir writing like I've done or photography, it's not maybe maybe not even realist art, you know, I can think of like friends of ours who are abstract painters and you might think like, is that connection still there? But you know, you know, it is that they're seeing, Mm. noticing things and observing things and then creating something where, you know, that connection between what they observed may not even be as clear to those of us who are seeing the art, but it, but it's, it's there. It is. So yeah. I appreciate that because I used to have like no good appreciation for abstract art. I really just was like, I I don't know what to make of this. Right. But as I've gotten older and as I've, you know, hopefully grown some as a human, (laughs) I have started to be able to look at pieces that don't have a clearly defined image or, you know, central figure or whatever, and think about it from the terms of like, like we were talking about earlier with photography, that this is how this person who painted this or created this collage or whatever it is, this is how they're seeing something, whether it's only in their mind or it's something in the world and they're interpreting it in this way Mm -hmm. to be able to recognize that, well, I may not see in that way, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, decrease the value of what they have created just because I don't understand it or I don't see it in the same exact way that mm-hmm. they do. There's still something going on there that's being communicated and it's okay if I don't understand it or I don't yeah. know it, you know? Yeah. Right. It doesn't, that doesn't have to keep us from spending time with that art from kind of quieting ourselves before it, listening to it. Um, yeah, you know, it's just good to kind of shift. Like on the one hand, we're talking about making art, creating it, but I think a necessary part of a creative life is learning to listen to art and appreciate the art that others create. Mm-hmm. You know, that just inspires, I think in that sense, creativity is so communal. Like we really need, e- need each other. We need one another. Um, yes. Sometimes you see it in art quite explicitly, like, poems inspired by other poems or you know or paintings inspired by a poem or poems inspired by a painting um, but even if it's not that explicit it, this is happening this is so necessary and so you know part of learning to create might just begin um, by learning to appreciate or learning to just spend time with things that others have created um, yeah I am. I just wrote that down because what you just said reminded me that the other day um, I was listening to your podcast uh-huh. with uh, Lisa Joe out of the ordinary, yes. and you said um, something along the lines of what you just said, which was that creativity needs community. And I remember when you said it, and I heard it, I was like, oh, it totally does. It absolutely does. It got me very excited, and um, that makes me want to just bring up. You know, you have you have created a community online in the black barn. Right. And I think it is inspired by that concept, you know, at a cellular level that creativity needs community and you have created a space for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to preach to the choir because you've been doing this for ages with refine retreat. Um, and I've been able to participate in that. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I could wax lyrical about the art room at your retreat, (laughs) you know, and how inspiring that is. 
and then, yeah, in my own way with, you know, a few others, I've done it with this Black Barn online community. We have this Black Barn here at Maplehurst and we built it, you know, just thinking we want to gather people. We want community. Maybe I'll host workshops and retreats. And but pretty soon after um, COVID, but actually before COVID, the cool thing is we launched Black Barn online before COVID. So it was all God's timing. But yeah, the community, even though when we started, I don't know if we really, uh, well, no, I will say it. I don't, I didn't really know what we were doing or what it was for. It was just, sometimes you're just following the breadcrumbs. But what we have learned in community together is, um, uh, is exactly this, that um, we all need community, but creativity needs like that rich soil. It, it, it would be like, like if we're trying to create it would be like trying to grow flowers without soil. Like you can't do it. You, you, you know, every gardener knows you have to feed your soil. You have to take care of your soil and then your flowers can grow and be beautiful, but you can't just drop a seed onto concrete. Like it won't grow. Right. Um, and I think that's what I have learned in this Blackburn online community is that um, community is, is a healthy community. Um, Christ-like community is really fertile ground for art making and um, that artists, vocational artists, need healthy relationships with those who receive their art and vice versa. Those mm -hmm. who are primarily receiving art. And of course, we're all creative. So here I'm just talking about those who might be doing it more vocationally, more professionally. Um, but we need each other and we need to be in healthy community together. And the world just does not generally offer spaces for that. Yes. Um, we have platforms. We have somebody up on the stage, others in the audience. And I'm not saying those are always bad. I'm just saying that tends to be all we have. We have people sharing work and then others going onto Amazon and rating it like a vacuum cleaner. Like that is not right. healthy. That is not right. how it's supposed to be. Um, and so to have places where we are able to build real relationships. And yeah, so, you know, we've just been doing it a couple of years, but the Blackburn Online has become a place where that's happening and where I'm I'm learning so much and receiving so much. And so I'll just share one little tidbit where I really realized this was true. It was, it was the release of my last book, Garden Maker. Um, and, and you know this, you share something, and I'm not even talking about a bad review, but I'm just talking about sometimes people respond, maybe on social media, in a way where you realize like they're, they're not seeing it as a human created offering, mm -hmm. just seeing it as a product. And mm -hmm. I had a response that was just like, I don't know, they just kind of wanted me to tell them if the book was really for them and should they spend their money on it. And, and it kind of just left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> and I immediately turned to my husband and I was trying to explain to him what was wrong with that. And it was so subtle that it was hard. And I just said, here's what it is. No one in the black barn online would have ever said that to me. Mm. What I said, and I realized, oh my gosh, that's true. Why is that true? Because we're in community because they know I'm, I'm not a machine product maker. I'm just a human who, who is sharing something I made. And so they would have never responded that way. Um, but I realized that's, that's what was formed in community because we're in right relationship, but on social media, you know, you're not really in, like, I wasn't in a community a real community or in a right. relationship with that person and so I think that's what maybe allowed them to to respond in the way that they did so that was really eye-opening to me like oh my gosh this thing we say we're doing that we want to do we are doing it it's happening and mm. that to me was 
very healing as a, a creator who here we've spent all this time talking about our fear of public humiliation, our fear of being vulnerable. Right. What a gift to have a space that is not perfectly safe. We're never perfectly safe in community. We can always be wounded or wound others. You know, there is mm-hmm. always risk, but a safer community because it's healthier and that mm-hmm. is very healing as a as an artist. It's healing to share work in a community where you know it's going to be received in an honoring way, which doesn't mean everyone has to like it or it's for everyone, but they can honor it and not treat it like a vacuum cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) And that's very healing for for artists who've been wounded or hurt, you know, in the past when they've shared. So, yeah, so I, I, I clearly had a lot to say about that. Thank you for asking me about the Blackboard Online. And I think Refine Retreat too, your community building, I think is doing very, very similar things. Well, thank you. We do have a lot of overlap. And I think that, um, you know, I, I love, I loved when you started the black barn. I love when you built the actual black barn on your property Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. seeing, um, you know, you were able to host a few events there before COVID Mm -hmm. and have you, you've hosted something since I feel like you did. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see. It was a pizza thing. You did some pizza making. Yeah. So I had a big garden party last spring. That's right. Fantastic. That's and, right. Um, yeah. And we're looking forward maybe even this summer and certainly next year, um, doing a lot more in person. Yeah. That's awesome. You know what you were saying and we'll wrap up here in a second, but what you were saying, um, about the comment that somebody made, like, is this for me? You mm-hmm. made me think about the fact that what happens in community, I think, especially when you're gathering people who are working in, you know, like you said, vocational artists, Mm -hmm. or um, even just people who really appreciate it, who just are, you know, they just really appreciate the creative arts, even if they don't necessarily practice it much themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what happens in community is that you shift from being a consumer. And the question you got was a consumer question. Yes. And you are not going to get a consumer question about your art in a community of people who understand what goes into making anything that you make, whether it's the tiniest little painting to a a book or opening your own gallery or whatever you're doing, writing a song, you know, whatever. Um, Those consumer questions can be wounding, even though I don't, you know, they're not intended to be. I don't think they're like coming at you. No, that isn't the intent. But I think it's like you said, it just shows like, Almost, you almost want to say like, you're looking at the wrong thing. Like you're in this for the wrong reason. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think the the disappointing aspect of, of what, you know, social media has done, I think to us and yeah, to us really Mm -hmm. is that it, it feeds that consumer mindset to the Mm -hmm. point like where we are brands, like people are brands Mm -hmm. now, which is so dehumanizing. Yes. And if someone is a brand and they're just a producer, they just produce content, then it's so much easier to forget the community of what is behind all of that work and just come at it as a consumer. And we just want to know, like, is this going to be the value for my life that I need it to be? Which, how would you ever know that? You know, like you couldn't even answer that question for them. Because mm-hmm. you have no idea what they need. Like, I don't know. You, know, like, exactly. you almost feel crazy as an author saying, like, why are you asking? Like, I did. I don't yeah, know I wanted, what you need. I, I wanted to say something like, 
you know, I don't know, but I hope that you will buy it anyway that will support my work. And then if it's not for you, I hope you'll think of somebody who would be blessed by it and you'll pass it on to them. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you were, you were, you were very gracious, but it is hard. And I appreciate you bringing that comment forward. Just, just so that people who, who maybe haven't thought of that, who hear yeah. that and go, yeah. Oh, I see that now. Like, cause I think that that's the beauty of these kinds of conversations is that sometimes somebody says something that you just hadn't, it just hadn't occurred to you. You know, you just haven't thought about it and you need someone to say, Hey, this is sometimes how this hits our ears. And then they can go, Oh, I'm not going to do that. Then when my friend publishes her next book, I won't say that to her. I will think of something else to say. (laughs) And it is, it is, it is um, that consumer mindset, which is, how we're formed in in our culture, especially here in the United States, we are formed to be consumers. All the messages we received are about who we are as consumers and our identity is something we build as consumers through consuming. And so it is so important in Christian community to, to recognize, to value artists, to value the creative gifts in all of us, to call those out, and then to say that what we create um, is not a product to consume or be consumed, but an offering to receive. And then what does that mean for you to read a book in that way or to look at a painting in that way? Um, it, it will add so much to your life. It's so much better. It's such a better way to live receiving um, gifts of art in that way and, um, and, and, and creating in that way. And it takes a lot of pressure off, I think, creators. Uh, we don't have to 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 make the perfect consumer product. We just get to play and create. And so just, yeah, I feel like if, if people remember one thing from our conversation, Chris, maybe that's what I hope they remember, that works of creativity are not products and they're not meant for consumption. So how do we live in ways that we're creating or receiving that is different, that is different from everything else in our lives that we are consuming? Um, and maybe sometimes it's even, you know, in our family, we've been talking a lot about blessing and what that means and like, and, and um I, I tell my kids, like, we bless our food every night. Why do we do that? And maybe we should be blessing more things. So what would it look like, Chris, like before you sat down to read a book or before you went into an art museum, you like bless, you like said a blessing or I don't know, like it would have yeah. changed how you received, you know, in the way that it's supposed to change how we receive our, our food. Maybe it yeah. would change how we received that book or that painting. Mm. Uh, anyway, just a thought. I love it. No, I love it. And it actually, as you were saying, that made me think of, um, Every moment holy, they have some blessings in there for like at the start of a new book when you go to read a new book. And um, I'll put a I'll put a link in the notes for people to find that. But there are blessings um out there for people who are like, Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, you don't have to know how. There are people who have written beautiful blessings for you to Um, but I think you're right to to think about that. Like, what does that look like? And can we and does that then, you know, I think an experiment might be over time to see how has that changed how you approach something, you know, and, and maybe that, that I don't want to put that in terms of like, you could measure change. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just perspective wise, it would be interesting to see yeah. over time yeah. if your perspective has changed yeah. from a practice like that, um, that makes it feel more invitational and more yeah. like engaging with a work of art, whatever form it takes as something to be experienced and rather than, like you said, consumed. So 
I love that you mentioned that. I'm yeah, gonna I think, make a note of that. I think God could use that to refine us and to form us, I think. Yeah, it's a way, you know, we bless in that way. We're, we're entering into that. Um, yeah. When we say, Lord, bless us for my body, right? The, it, you know, but to say it for more than food, oh, that, that might be a gentle way to pray the prayers that are hard to pray. You know, it's hard to say, Lord, change me, refine me, but maybe a gentler way is to say, Lord, bless this book for my mind and heart or. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. I love it. I I love it. I love the way you framed that. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. I feel like we could just go on and on all day, but I know we both have lots of things probably we need to get done. So um, I'll close us with just asking you a couple of questions. And these Mm -hmm. are just things I always want to know about people. Um, So the first one is what are you reading right now? Oh, what is on my desk? So always cozy mysteries. Um, what am I working to? Oh, I recently have really loved the Tuesday Murder Club mystery. Ooh. They are about these, oh, they're so funny and sweet, but they have heart. Um, and they are about these retirees living in this posh retirement home in the English countryside. But one of the retirees is a former um, like spy or something and they solve murders together that come into this retirement home and <laughs> it is a delight so I think Richard Osman is the author of the Tuesday Murder Club I think there's three books now so much fun that's awesome I've never heard of them I'm so glad you you mentioned them okay so then my next question is what is inspiring you right now Whew. Well, it is not nature. Here we are. It's February. I'm looking at my window. It is so bleak. It's been a really awful snowless winter. It's very ugly out. So when that happens, I dive into my gardening books and my seed and plant catalogs. Mm. So I'm finding inspiration there where I am not finding it outside. So yeah. I hear you. I hear you. We've had similar weather here in Ohio and mm-hmm. the sun is out today, which I'm super thankful yeah, for here's because you. I've it's missed been, it. We had too many gray days mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, at least if it's, I don't love the snow either, but I'm like, at least if it snows, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, at least it's pretty and it bounces some light around, but yeah, <laughs> not just gray. Nope. Not fun. Thank you so much. This was such a gift. I'm super grateful for your time. And, um, tell me where people can find you. I know where to find you, but I want them to know where to find you. Yeah, well, I have been sending a Friday newsletter, kind of a story letter every week for about a year now. So they can sign up for that on my website, christypurifoy.com. I love connecting with people on Instagram, at christypurifoy and at Maplehurst Gardens. And if anything I said about the Blackburn community, you know, is interesting to folks, um, blackburnonline.com. It's free to join. And then we offer monthly workshops and things. So that is open to anyone. And uh, yeah, you mentioned the podcast. I love doing my Wednesday podcast, Out of the Ordinary, with Lisa Jo Baker. You're a busy lady. Yeah, lots, lots going of fun. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> all good. Good. it's fun. <laughs> yeah. All good things. I love it. I will put all of those um, links in there for people to find them and hopefully yeah. connect with you. But thank you again for your time. This was a delight. It was. Thank you, Chris. No problem. Refined, the podcast, is sponsored by Refined Media, parent company of Refined the Retreat. For inspiration and to learn more about what we do, what we make, and how to participate, connect with us at refineretreat.com or on Instagram at refineretreat. Thanks for listening.